0: Hey everybody, welcome back. Beyond Words with Felix and Al. This episode is brought to you by our supporters on Locals.com. I want to give a big thank you to all of our supporters and our newest supporters. Thank you to Justin and Ward. Thanks for joining our community. Thank you for supporting this podcast. If you, the listener, are interested in supporting this podcast, you can find find us at... beyondwords.locals.com that is our community space and for a minimal investment price of a cup of coffee per month you can be a paid supporter of this podcast and your support goes a long way to helping felix and i to evolve this show to grow to expand and to dedicate more and more of our time and energy into developing it so thank you so much to all of you who support us there Today's episode, we take an adventure through the realms of money, 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 money. Some of us love money, some of us hate money, but all of us think about money, can't get around it. Money, 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 it's the currency of our world. What is money? Felix and I take a deep dive into considering what money is, not so much from the technical economic perspective but viewing it more from its energetic perspective because essentially it is energy and from that perspective we discuss what it means to us how it is we can open ourselves up to it you know flowing with money and viewing money as energy and energy likes to move likes to flow so we discuss that we talk about money 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 And many other topics so uh, we hope you enjoy this conversational journey about money 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 Uh, if you're listening on any platform and you haven't already done so please please take one moment one way you can support us is to pause the podcast for a moment takes about 10 seconds and whichever platform you're on Please like the podcast, give it a five star review, subscribe to the podcast, hit the notification button. Different platforms have different ways of doing this, but you know, on Apple Apple Podcasts, you can give it a five star rating and subscribe. Uh, On Spotify, you can follow the podcast and get notifications. All of this helps to get the podcast more visible, so more people can find it, and we can expand this amazing community, this sangha. We're separated by miles and miles across the world. We have listeners on all four corners from Australia to Gabon, to France, to Germany, to Sweden, to Bali, Indonesia, to the USA and Canada, down to Peru, to Brazil, to England. Our listeners are all over, and yet we are separated by this distance, but we all come together here and share this journey inevitably whatever I might be going through in my life or Felix whatever comes up in this discussion a lot of people are going through the same thing and it really helps to know that we're not alone this journey can feel lonely uh, but we're in it together folks so join us you can join our community BeyondWords.Locals.Com. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a group. It's called Beyond Words with Felix and Al. You can join that. And on Instagram, Beyond Words Podcast, I believe that's the handle. Yes, it is. I'm pretty sure. Anyways, you can find us on Instagram. And that's that. That's the intro for today. This this journey about money is really fascinating one. I think we all have different relationships with money. We view money in different ways. But love it or hate it, it is a really key element in how our society and our world functions. And sometimes it's, it's useful to explore our deeper relationships with it and how our views on money might affect our ability to receive and give money. So let's go. Let's go for a deep dive on the money train, everybody. Thanks for listening. We love you. And here we go. Money, money, money. (laughs) Keep going, my man. Got a new tune here for all our friends. Welcome back. Beyond Words, with Al and Felix. Keep going, my man. Don't be shy. Everybody, come on, come on down. Sit down, or keep walking, or keep driving, keep doing. Just keep being you. Keep playing, man. This is a new, new tune for our listeners. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Yes, you know, it's that time. It's that time for Felix and Al, your two best friends in the canal of life. We're floating down its right. Row, row, row your boat Gently down the stream Merrily, 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 merrily Life is but a dream It's but a dream It's a dream It's a dream, dream, dream The only difference between this dream And the dream that you dream When you're sleeping You know what I mean Is that this particular dream Seems a little more solid and it has smells and tastes and sounds too. the emotions that we feel me and you but it's just a dream remember that whatever happens it's a matter of fact the dream is a dream and you know what I mean You don't have to take it so seriously, float on by in your mind. It's a dream of this life that we're getting by. And once we realize that it's just a dream, we come on back and we feel like a brand new team. (sighs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cleveland. Thank you Cleveland, Ohio We love you Cleveland I think if I was a rock star I would be the one that forgets what city I'm in You know that's happened There's like footage where they They don't know where they are
1: Why why would you be
0: that guy? Because it would just be rocking out all over the world You lose track When you're rocking out everywhere It doesn't matter where you are It's just a city, another city
1: it's like uh Edward Norton says in Fight Club when he's on a plane he's like if you wake up in a different time zone in a different place do you wake up as a different
0: person I would I would argue yes cuz we go to bed we kind of die right then we wake up and it takes a second you have to remember everything you ever do that you wake up i wake up in the morning and there's like a there's a brief moment of just peace and then it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> all this shit I got to do today, it all comes back. And the worst thing I can do is grab my phone. So I, I keep it outside the room now because that's not a good way to start the day with the phone.
1: you ever have a super strong lucid dream where you feel like you're there 100% and you react, your body reacts to it?
0: Yes, or like
1: in between dream when you're like in some place and something happens and it jolts you awake
0: yes, sometimes those dreams feel more real than this one sometimes maybe they are I had one I don't know if I've talked about this one totally well, actually two totally lucid dreams in my life that I can remember, and they were during diets. Where I was just completely awake in the dream and totally aware that I was awake in the dream, and in one of them i I realized that I could just create anything in the dream I was flying through space, so I was creating like beautiful geometric images and with colors that I'd never seen before, and then my mind I was in a diet, you know diet is a very celibate time, my mind was like beautiful woman so <laughs> So I created this beautiful woman. And then I was like, oh, fuck. I'm in diet. So I made her disappear. (laughs) You created Marta. Yeah, this was pre-Marta. But essentially, yeah. I mean, it was actually not that long before I met Marta. So met her in the dream space perhaps before. And then the other one was the other dream. I was in a city. It was like a very, very... Clear city, and I w- realized I could walk through walls. And I was walking through walls through buildings, and it was like shops. And I think there was like an electronic shop, and they were just like closing the shop. Very ordinary activity, and I was just watching the whole thing. It was really, really crazy. And then I realized I could fly, and I was flying through the city. It was really, really quite amazing. So,
1: I think. That's do you lucid they... dream a lot,
0: man? Mm,
1: not a lot, but I love dreaming. I love sleeping to dream. Not necessarily just sleep. Yeah, I've had some, especially on diet, some super real dreams that weren't really in this world. They were definitely otherworldly. But, yeah, they just... Where it's like you're like in the dream, and then something... It's usually something scary that kind of triggers you in, or me into the... Oh, I'm dreaming. And then I can kind of like turn around and face whatever it is, or I can... I usually start flying. It's like the first thing, but <laughs> this is a funny thing. Are you a flapper, Oh, arm flapper, or you just take off from the ground? Kind I just of take off from
0: the ground. Huh.
1: Some people are arm flappers, and some people take off from the ground.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think even the dream, I knew that my arms aren't wings. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know, man? It's all in the minds, you know? Uh, yeah, I think I just took off kind of like, was it Inception- there was one of those movies where they're in a dream, and a dream, and they're flying. And, yeah, they oh, just, not flying, though. Uh, well, I don't remember the one where they're flying, but they just basically just looked up and intended to go up, and they went up without flapping, just... Huh. Uh, maybe kind of like, in Matrix, I think he did that, didn't he?
1: I mean, yeah, he learned he could fly in the Matrix. Yeah, and he
0: didn't flap his arms. No, he
1: just took off from the ground. Well, he folded the floor beneath, or the ground beneath him. I don't know if you remember that. It turned into waves and he kind of like shot into the air.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Matrix. Yeah, dreams are... I mean, so the other dream I had in a diet was, um, I guess what you would call astral traveling, where I woke up, but I was in my room, and I lifted out of my body. I saw my body, and it was definitely my room. It wasn't like a dream space. And I started to want to leave and explore outside my tambo where i was dining, and then this voice came from the corner of the room holland holland and it was just a voice there was no figure and and it got closer holland and then this i felt this force like pushing me back down into my body and the next day i asked my teacher ernesto because it was his voice and i told him what happened i was like was that you and he was like well that was tobacco, because I was, you know, doing my tobacco diets. And uh, it was, tobacco has my voice just because I'm your teacher. And it was basically just showing you you're not quite ready to go explore the astral realms. Like, like th- that, that also takes certain training, in, in his view, you know, certain training and preparation, because you meet all kinds of shady characters in that realm. So he was basically saying, when it pushed me back in, like, not ready yet young, young man. One day, it was one of my earlier diets. So, but after that, man, I kept trying like to recreate those circumstances to be able to do that because it's freak. It's so cool. Uh, and I've, I know people that, you know, I've know of people that have mastered that and they travel the world through the astral, you know, uh, should talk about that too? The they use specific plants, right? To go visit if they're working somewhere else, they'll go check on their family and make sure everything's cool. I think they use towe for that, don't they? Like Or ayahuasca. Or ayahuasca as well, yeah. yeah. Are you are you able to do that? Can you share about that? Uh You can. Oh my god. <laughs> <clears throat> well,
1: I mean, there's definitely there's no such thing as space. And so like for my Western mind, I just I kinda especially in ceremony, I'm like all right, well, this person is actually here. Or I'm there with them. And then I'm there with them. Versus like like walking out of my body, walking through the door, flying to New York City. And this and is in your dream? No, no, this is in ceremony. In ceremony? Yeah.
0: So, y- so you just, you can be wherever. We well, just, yeah. You, you realize can, space is. It's, it's just
1: a figment of my imagination. Uh-huh. But I think the, what you're kind of talking about too is like, Having someone's or calling someone's spirit or having their spirit be a beacon and going to their spirit, right? Like, okay, so uh, Johnny Doe called me from North Carolina and Johnny Doe doesn't feel too good and something's going on Johnny Doe and he asked us to do work on him. So we go visit Johnny Doe in, in ceremony and we work on him
0: just like he's sitting there. So you can do remote work. Doesn't matter. I mean, is it better if they're sitting in front of you? Can the work be just as? I mean, Johnny Doe can't drink ayahuasca, obviously, with you. Right. Maybe for them, for them. But for as far as you're concerned, yeah, I mean, it's a bit harder because it's
1: like I think when you're in the space, like drinking ayahuasca with someone, there's a there's a whole ambiance to it. You know, like you're in the space you've. Partaken of this beverage and you're feeling things already yeah i think a lot of people doubt what they feel excuse me naturally and throughout the day like as far as changes in in mental states or whatever but actually safa does a lot of remote healing with pranic healing they teach people to like do remote
0: healing as a part of the course what's uh how can people reach safa for that i've been meaning to we, sh- we need to plug safa because sir works amazing
1: if, if you go to bodyofprana.com, you can find Safa there and you can write, reach out to her personally and set up an appointment for long-distance healing.
0: There's a lot of demand for that right now. Obviously, people it's hard to travel. I know there are also people healers doing that kind of work too. And it's it's pretty amazing that nothing can stop healing, even the limitations of travel. Um, because ultimately the physical distance is irrelevant. Is irrelevant. It's all about intention in the mind. That's so cool, man. And isn't it true that um, in the Shipibo traditions, it used to be that the patients typically wouldn't drink ayahuasca, right? It would just be the the maestro? Yeah, typically no.
1: I mean, so, you, like, there's a story with that. There was a, my teacher's grandfather who they say it was a Moraya. Um, and the muraya again? Is the highest level curandero in the Shipibo tradition. It's like so a Jedi. All the the than Jedis. They're like... Yodas. They're like Yodas. And uh, they literally had, out into the jungle, because they lived way away from the community. They preferred to be far away from people. There would be a line of, of mosquito nets going all the way out to his tombo in the jungle. So they could find him? So they could get Healed. He literally had a line of people like waiting to come get healed by him.
0: Oh, a line of mosquito. Net. I thought you meant they like tied up. So people in mosquito nets waiting. Waiting to get to see this wow. And like,
1: yeah, I can't imagine that. Like a line of mosquito nets in the jungle. But yeah, they would come in. They would say, this is what they have. He drank his medicine and he just healed person after person after person. Then they'd go home and live their life. Wow. But that's a moraya. I mean, that's a. Super high level. Yeah, still.
0: They, I mean, Moraya is probably even at a point where if, if they didn't have ayahuasca, they, they could still do work. They could go still access those realms.
1: They talked about, or the people would tell me stories of how, after leveling a certain level of your pipe, they basically the Morayas or the the Curandero would just smoke their pipe and heal the person.
0: Right, and so I'm sure they have that in Tabacero. Sure, yeah. I reference. mean, so ulti- I mean, it's about the pipe. Absorbing and carrying all that medicine and intention in the tradition. I've learned which I didn't do because I No one told me but you a lot of people carve their pipe during their diets So they they get the block of wood and they carve the pipe while dieting over the course of their however many 15 20 diets and so the pipe just like ab- absorbs that energy and intention and every time that person picks up the pipe they immediately connect to all their diets because that's where it was made, you know. I uh, I bought a pipe. <laughs> and then I sat with it through all my diets and just like, you know, the, it's still the same thing, but it, I didn't use my hands to create it, but I nonetheless associate it with my diets and it carries all that intention. Um, but I don't work with my pipe enough. I like my pachos, you know. Because they're easy. They're easy, but there is something about the pipe, man
1: yeah it's it's such a such a gift to have a pipe or like even just like ritual objects, so objects that you have for certain rituals that you keep using, for example, like the the morning practice I talk about with praying to your ancestors, your generations of incarnations, whatever. we have one coin that we use each time. And I can feel like over time that coin's coin is becoming like a prayer coin. Supercharged. Yeah. Wow. So the ritual objects could be pretty much anything. It could be our ukulele that we play every every yeah. episode. could be the microphones. It could be a microphone. I mean, yeah, That you don't need to go
0: out and find a magical wand. You can literally. You can make anything into a magical device. Pretty much. Through your intention, right? Oh, wow. Hey, man, I want to talk to you about resistance. Cool. Today, I, I, our friend Chase is hosting a San Pedro ceremony today. And two days ago, I decided I was going to go to it. And then all this resistance came up. And just the idea of drinking that green slime, just I started like puking in my mouth just thinking about it. And I realized the only reason I was going to go was to hang out i never drank with Chase before in his ceremony. And uh, last night I was like, no, I can't do it. And the last few times, like my relationship with Wachuma over the years has been mostly amazing, pretty blissful experiences, a lot of downloads and uh, just beauty and joy and ecstatic experiences. But the last few times it's been really heavy, just bringing up like stuff that's just like, ugh so heavy. So I decided not to go. I resisted. And it used to be when I had this resistance come up before ceremony, I was like, yeah, that's a sign that I need to do it. It's good. But lately I'm like, I'm going to respect my resistance. And it turns out that there's a reason I didn't go. I didn't know that reason is my, my cat who has been sick is being brought back today. And I just found out this morning. So if I'd been in ceremony, I wouldn't know that the cat is on its way back. <laughs> She's on her way back. So now I have a good excuse, but uh, yeah, I've just been exploring that um, resistance and, and when, you know, differentiating when it's useful to go with that or useful to, Resist the resistance and go drink that medicine. So what do you say to people when, or to yourself when you encounter resistance before a ceremony and when the idea of drinking something makes you puke in your mouth?
1: <clears throat> I don't blame you with the idea of drinking something making you want to puke in your mouth, especially with Wachuma. It's the hardest medicine for me to drink, and flavor-wise. Me
0: too. Iboga Pretty hard too, but I haven't tried you know, Wachuma's got that just slime, and you got to drink. Yeah, it's sour and bitter.
1: But it's good medicine. I'm not good medicine, oh. usually bitter, so I don't want to. I'm not doting on you. Ayahuasca can be pretty whew, hard too, yeah. but at
0: least it's like a shot instead of a full freaking <laughs> water glass full where you have to drink like several gulps. Oh, oh, it is going down so slow because it's slimy and thick. <laughs>
1: Hopefully, we're not turning you off from drinking it. All all medicine is bitter, whether it's ayahuasca, whether it's wachuma, whether it's iboga. It has like it. Good medicine is bitter.
0: I yeah, and I think that's there's there's a reason for that. You know, it's like you can't abuse it because it it's you really have to want it to drink it. It can't be it can't be drank for pleasure for taste. It's you got the that's the first like gatekeeper of these medicines is. When you go with it, it's the taste, you know. It's like, and the first time is easiest because you don't know what you're tasting, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's not as bad as I thought." The second time, oh, it's not so bad, and then they puke. You know, the first after puking with medicine the first time, then it's like, "Oh." But um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm curious to hear what you have to think. I mean, part of that puking in my mouth experience, to me, it could mean that there's probably some purging that would be good to happen if I'm getting purgy, just thinking about it. Um, but right now I, I don't know. It's so intense right now. Life is so intense. The energy is so in- like today feels really intense for some reason. The energy, I don't know if it's just me, but it's just today is really intense. And I just sometimes feel like I don't need medicine. It's already medicine. It's already strong enough today. You know, life is medicine. So, yeah. I mean, that's the justification I use. Um, that these times are just so intense as it is.
1: I mean, that's why I took a pause on serving and drinking right now. I think it's like day by day because of the general energies of the environment, there's already a pretty heavy load on the shoulders or on the mind or wherever you want to put it. But then I go into ceremony, and it's like there's this extra load of the general fear, or there was, especially during the the peak of COVID. This general fear, this uncertainty, this confusion that was sitting in the space,
0: just a, a universal human fear—not just the people that were there, just the collective, the collective. It it's just it's in the—it's just on the, the air. planet, yeah. It, especially back in April, May, June.
1: But even now, it's picking back up because. Here in Peru, there's another, there's a big protest because the president Viscado was taken out. So, anyways, yeah, th- what we typically do when we hold ceremonies, we have like, you know, four ceremonies in a period of 11 days or whatever. So, we're drinking two nights, we're off a couple of nights, and then we're drinking two nights. And like during the COVID times, we're like, well, we're going to do this once a week. And we did it once a week, and it was, very intense energetically and it's like like i said just the cumulative energies that have built up through all of this this process but as far as resistance goes like i i totally resonate with your story and it's like for me what i do for myself not necessarily speaking to someone else but what i do for myself is i actually start asking myself questions okay like Am I not going to participate in this ceremony because I'm afraid? No. Okay. I'm not afraid. of. I'm not afraid of the medicine. All right. Well, why do I not want to participate in the medicine? I start, like, listing, listening to myself as I kind of list these stories that I have around why I don't want to drink. I'm like, okay. Like, do I need to drink right now?
0: So I'll just answer these questions as you go. Okay. So the stories were... Am I afraid? Am I afraid? Not of the medicine itself. I have a profound respect for it, but it's not a fearful respect. Uh, the stories were, A, drinking it. Sounds awful right now. B, the investment of the whole day when I am just have a lot on my plate right now and I'm dealing with packing my house. C, that Watchuma typically, it takes me an additional day or two to just kind of recover physically and mentally and just I mean the effects of the medicine itself last like 12 hours but then there's several days of kind of being in a bit of a fog or being sometimes a depression will set in post ceremony which is good because I move through it and but it's just it's a time investment so those are the stories I have around it then
1: that I don't have the time right now well and then the question is not for me but or you know, when I am asking myself, but for you is like, am I being genuine in myself? That I don't feel this is right right now.
0: And, yeah. um, I think so, man. Yeah, it feels. It, yeah, it feels genuine. I it I don't, I don't think I'm at least not consciously n- trying to avoid something. I'm pretty aware, I believe, of the material that's present for me right now, and it's every day's kind of a ceremony with it. Um, so, yeah, it does feel genuine. I, I, and, and I guess the other question I was asked is, I asked myself yesterday, is why do I want to go? And really it was just to f- not miss out on an opportunity to be with my friend Chase. I've never sat with him, and I only have a couple weeks left here. So it was really that and then i told myself well i can hang out with him without drinking medicine i can just go hang out so
1: yeah and i think i think in in all situations of healing we're going to face resistance so and sure. but there's different cases you know if you if i were to come down thousands of miles away home from home to sit down and drink medicine to do this healing process well when I make that commitment, the medicine, the plants, they know I'm there from you know, the 1st to the 14th. I have this set program with them, the set contract that I've created. And <clears throat> through that process, things are brought forward. We start going into deeper aspects. I may start going into aspects of trauma in my life, uh, behaviors that I have during the day that are not beneficial to myself, Uh, ideas about myself that aren't beneficial to myself or my growth. And they're challenging. And so I may have a hard ceremony and then be like, okay, I don't want to do that again. That was too hard. That's that's a resistance that can be overcome and should be overcome. Especially if you're coming to do a workshop and you feel that resistance to coming into the next ceremony. Usually that next ceremony is great. Nine times out of ten, From what I have seen and experienced watching people drink medicine and through my own experiences, I may have a super hard night and then the next one is actually pretty good. After I've worked, after I've faced this fear again of facing myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of a different scenario where someone comes and they've already committed. They're going to spend the next two weeks with plant medicine. And in that course, the resistance comes up but that commitment is already there. And, and yeah, I've seen that too, where the, the ones people most resist in those circumstances are often some of the most profound and deep experiences. So I guess it's a little different here in my situation, in our situation where from day to day, like a ceremony can present itself and I hadn't intended on it. And then I have to think about it. And, uh, so yeah, I see what you mean. Uh,
1: we 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 honestly have a very different situation we're kind of abundant in yeah there's always an opportunity (laughs) somewhere and 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 in that case i find for myself that's where i really have to question why am i drinking or why am i participating in a ceremony why Mm -hmm. do i feel because it's so easy it's it's just and fomo is not a good reason no fomo is not necessarily a good reason i mean it It sucks to miss out and hanging out with your friends in a medicine ceremony. But listen to even how that sounds. It's not what medicine was actually meant for. It's like, okay, like when I feel I need to drink is either I'm feeling super shitty and I'm not getting through it through my other practices. And I feel obviously something there's there's something energetic in me that needs to shift through it. Okay, that's a that's a beginning of a good reason for me or Okay, like through my other practices, I've actually come in Contact with something that's pretty big internally and I want to see what that is in a different light Because I don't feel I'm seeing it as clearly clearly as I can throughout Mm -hmm. the day or throughout my other practices And then I start to consider it but even then I know if I dedicate enough time to it if I dedicate a long enough meditation or a long enough set of practices I'll encounter it, and so this is why. Like, I don't even, I don't want to fall into the habit of having it as a crutch. As I'm gonna drink this and just puke it out, kind of thing. This this mentality in it, and I can see sometimes that can be a conflicting idea in a community of people that work with medicine. I'm not maybe not these people here. I love these people, but how sometimes it's like, well, no, I don't feel like drinking. I don't feel I need that. I was like, "Why not? Come on! That's that's your resistance, man. That's, yeah. that's you. You needing it." I was like, "Actually, no. Like, I, I, I need to take responsibility for my day to day mentality, and I can take my own time out of my day, instead of sitting on Facebook or whatever it is, and actually sit down and practice, and try and figure it out." Yeah. Ultimately.
0: Yeah, totally. And that's kind of what I did this morning. Um, before I started doing stuff, I'd you know once I decided not to do the ceremony, I just sat with myself and. All kinds of content was coming up to see and to sit with emotions that I often have been distracting myself to avoid. Uh, I just allowed it for a little while, so. And ultimately, I mean, for me, that's what—that's why I drink medicine too. It's to help bring these things to the surface, to be recognized and seen, and you know, accelerate a process of moving through and letting go. But right now, it seems like. That's happening. <laughs> it's really strong right now. The medicine S- of life is, r- is a strong batch, it's man. It's a strong batch. This 2020 cup is pretty big. Have you heard about this planetary alignment that's coming on December 21st?
1: What's, what's aligning?
0: Saturn and Jupiter and I don't know.
1: So December 21st is when Saturn and Jupiter, they go from the cycle of being in Earth signs for 200 years together, like meeting in Earth signs to meeting in air signs for 200 years. It's a huge shift. So Saturn and Jupiter, let's. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a magical reference on Saturn and Jupiter. Jupiter is like the expander um, and I'm no expert. I'm sure Mark may listen to this and be like, no, that's not right. Or the Safa. expander or the manifest. Yeah, Safa. <laughs> it's the guru. Let's just think of it as the guru. Jupiter. Yeah, Jupiter. And think of Saturn as death. The Grim Reaper. The destroyer? The destroyer. Well, Pluto's more the destroyer. But Saturn's just like, it's time. How about that? Kronos. Saturn is Kronos. And so Saturn is very structure. It's super structure-oriented. And Jupiter just expands every place that it touches. So just imagine air expanded. It's like skydiving. And imagine a structure falling into air or trying to find its way in air. Wow! Trying to try to structure air, just do that with your mind. Try and structure air.
0: <laughs> so, will it weaken these? Will it weaken a structured planet like Saturn? Like,
1: mm, I mean, it's moving into Aquarius, and uh, Aquarius is ruled by Saturn, which is very interesting. Oh. so these two planets moving into this sign together is like a changing of an age. Wow! The age of Aquarius, maybe. Huh? But. Um, They say that when you want to do magic with Jupiter, like any kind of expansion magic, drawing in money or whatever, like expanding your business, blah, 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 blah. You have to have Saturn there with it. You have to utilize Saturn, or Saturn has to be conjunct with it in some form or another, or touching it in some way, to actually do the magic properly. So if you want to call on the guru, you need time. You need a structure. So... This shift is huge. I cannot emphasize. It's how exciting. Big it, it's, it's good. Super exciting. I, I have a, a very optimistic view of these two planets moving into Aquarius at the same time.
0: So, what is something one can do to harness this powerful alignment? And is it about material wealth and manifestation of yeah material and
1: the the challenges. And again, I I may at the end of this podcast, we'll we'll reference Mark and his astrology work.
0: Mark Flaherty. Just look him up. F L A H E R T Y. Mark Flaherty. Very,
1: very knowledgeable and
0: best astrologer I know.
1: Yeah. But, uh, I think it depends on where Aquarius is in your personal chart, which house it lies in. Ooh, now we're going to get into astrology hole. Uh, so it's it's just basically dependent on where Aquarius is sitting in your chart, what it's touching as far as uh, your life. So Aquarius, from, my moon
0: is in Aquarius. Which house? I don't know. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> Aquarius is in my fourth house, which relates to like my mother and my father, my brothers and sisters, my home life, things like that. All right. So when these two planets move into that, there's going to be a shifting in that realm for me. Now, Aquarius is sitting in different places in two, different people's charts. Some people, it's their first house, which is your body, your person, your persona, your body, sorry. Um, or the second house, which is work and business. So that could be a shift for them. But again, it's the, the combination of the two. So you have this massive expander, and then you have this structured thing, this the structure creator.
0: And so that, that alignment affects people depending. To- based on where they're
1: based on their own chart as well absolutely yeah and the chart of the place they're living in uh i think we spoke before in 2022 uh the u.s will have its pluto return and pluto pluto is the
0: is shiva the destroyer so pluto will be back to where it was in 1776 (laughs) yeah people are saying uh, to I mean it's it's a a time of upheaval it's like symbolizing revolutions so in the long run it could be really good um, but it could be a time of instability people say pull your money out of the stock market in the states before 2022 crypto anyone
1: <laughs> well that's actually a sign of of Saturn and Jupiter moving into Aquarius or an air sign It's a lot about like online work online transactions.
0: Oh great. So this is a good year for crypto for crypto. Yeah I'm kind of getting into crypto. (laughs) You should you should buy a lot right now if I had a lot of money I would but uh Yeah, so interesting man Do you know much about crypto? Nah no, I, I know I don't my, know much. No, I don't know much. <laughs> yeah. But I know that... That I love you. Uh, yeah, I love you too, man. I know that. I know that I, m- I missed out on the big crypto thing from two years ago. Was it two years ago? Yeah, 2017, 2018. Yeah, two, two and a half years ago. But what's different now is it seems to be... It's past the point of it's just going to crash and no one's going to believe it anymore. It seems to be really firmly established. And so maybe this is a time to get into it
1: what would what would crypto mean for the world though so if we went away from all all individual country money or base money mm-hmm. and we just went to cryptocurrency what would that mean for the world
0: well the i think the reason it's more seems more legitimate now is that countries and financial systems are turning to start to embrace it So I don't know if crypto means that the dollar, all these currencies go away but what it would mean in my limited view of it, it would mean um, a stable secure transaction that empowers individuals to transact between them in a private way that the hands of governments can't Dip their fingers into, although it seems they will find a way to do that. Uh, but it's, yeah, it seems like a secure and stable way to transact, and, and it's not subject to the whims of financial institutions and currency trends and the shifting values of currencies all the time. It seems pretty cool. And I mean, the thing with crypto and blockchain is it's applicable to many different ways. It's not just money. Uh, It's also a way to secure uh, communications, for example. And uh, I mean, it's, I don't really understand it. It just seems it seems like a huge development and progression in our way of exchanging value and ideas and doing business. And it fits perfectly with our new digital world, it's all digital. But I don't know, man. All I know is I have a feeling next year don't mark don't mark my words anybody don't take my financial uh, investment advice but I think crypto is a good thing right now
1: I'm I'm on the hard side of gold and silver I think that's the most financially stable thing honestly
0: yeah I think about that too but it's, the only reason it's stable is because for some reason we all agree that it's valuable you know I that's with anything right I mean, it's the only it's like, thing. what can you
1: do with gold? You make fillings.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but I mean, 90% of technology nowadays or more needs
0: gold as a part of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, and it's just in times of uh, upheaval and instabilities, people just turn to gold and silver because it's stable. As a store of value. Yeah. yeah. Like people literally buy bricks of gold and store it. And store it. Crypto seems safer, although people do rob crypto. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I mean, I think anything that's <clears throat> digital can be hacked and, or tracked, hacked or tracked. I mean, anything that's online. If, if the person is dedicated enough, they'll find a way to hack it and track it.
0: But it's like they can hack your bank account online, take your money there too.
1: But at least the bank has responsibility for it. So hopefully they they make they insure it too. Yeah, hopefully they create a system. I'm just saying. I, I think hopefully they create a system around cryptocurrency that enables security within it. Because I I just worry that it falls into the hands of big government and big government can make your balance on your account go up or down, or they can control the account balance based on whatever.
0: When when crypto first started, I thought how what and a lot of people were saying this like it's it's just numbers and we're giving it all this value. It has no physical concrete. It doesn't even exist except for on the internet. But then if you think about money, like the dollar is also fictitious. It's not backed by anything used to be backed by gold. So it's essentially the same thing in terms of it doesn't really exist except for we agree that it does and it has value. (laughs)
1: <laughs> We're getting back into like these big programs, like your belief systems. Yeah, which is why, like, I I, I generally think money or currency is current or energy. Like the yeah, higher your the currency, way. the higher or current, your higher mm-hmm. your energy.
0: In in this in the spiritual world, you know, in the spiritual people, a lot of people kind of shun money it's not about the money man but man as i get older it's like i i, I like money i want some money <laughs> like it having enough money where you don't have to worry about it anymore Let's just a lot of people live like that you know you know what you do with your time then your time then you're free you're free with your time you don't have to dedicate your time to worrying about that so it opens up all these other avenues and possibilities so I'm actively working uh, through intention and prayer and action to to bring that reality about you know sometimes I get into this limited mindset like uh, that somehow there won't be enough money for me but there's always as long as we operate in the system there's some kind of there's there's money there's wealth and it's always moving and flowing. So it's about putting ourselves into that current and letting it flow through us. Masters of money always say that the the key to wealth is to keep the money moving. So to not just accumulate it and hide it in your basement or in your bank account and just, but to actually put it to action through investment, through uh, uh, charity through just like keep that energy because it's energy and it needs to move, and that you know being a miser, miser, someone who just hoards money, uh, is really not a very successful model to follow. We got to keep the money moving and let it move, move through me. Let it rain, rain dollar bills. You better make your paper, Bobo.
1: Yeah, I think I, I agree with that statement of before I had this <clears throat> mentality of well, money corrupts, money is... Money is the root of all evil. Right. Cash rules everything around me.
0: Cream, get the money.
1: But, yeah, I mean, it, it is an essential... For some reason, it is an essential part and a part of our world in a big way. It does. You can't do anything without money. I mean, you can do things without money. You can have... Your garden, you can do enjoyable things without your money, but.
0: But you need land for the garden. Unless it was inherited. Yeah, but then it's still money that has value. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: I just think that, yeah, I think that there's a, because of this value system we've placed on top of, we use dollars because we're both American, but. yeah, we have to we have to value it as well, and we have to create a beneficial relationship with it in order to have it. It's like it's actually creating a relationship with another frequency or another energy, just like we do in, with plants. It's like, oh, you know, I have this relationship with ayahuasca, for example. How is that? Not, how is that any different from money? There's faces on money. They have spirits. They have names on them. They say "In God We Trust." They're they're you know, they have a a. An energy and a value so why can I have a different relationship with them
0: it's all a mindset my very first ayahuasca experience before I came to Peru I had one experience in Guatemala I was at Lake Atitlan and this woman was serving ayahuasca and I signed up and I mean <laughs> set setting all that was terrible there were dogs all over the like all over me barking awful and she was playing music on a computer and there's like a bright screen and nothing much happened because she had also didn't have much medicine left so but I had one vision and it was nothing to do with any intention that I brought to it that I was aware of but the vision was of money and of going into my mind and turning some dials and pressing some buttons to open up my acceptance of money and to allow it to flow. And then in the vision, the money just started flowing through me. And it was just evidence, I think, that it really is a mindset. And being spiritual doesn't mean um, not, not accepting, that doesn't have to mean that money is bad. And I don't know how that happened. Like, why is it that there's this association with spirituality and money being evil and bad? And so that's, that's one, one thing to explore. But, but anyway, I think one can be spiritual and also, you know, open to money, to money flowing. I think where it's dangerous is, you know, I I would never want to be in a position where I depend so much on offering medicine that I go against my, my heart's will. And I, try to sell ceremonies try to sell the experience in order to make money a lot of people do that you know rather than letting people come from a genuine need and desire but instead like really pushing it and uh so that's something to keep in check to just keep an eye on but uh, but really is it's it's a mind state that i haven't quite seemed to have mastered because money is still an object of scarcity sometimes in my life but um
1: but I think I think you can master that now. Please help me. No, man, you you already man, come on. You literally got from Africa to here in a in a global lockdown by imagining you were here walking through your garden. How's that any different from money?
0: You're right, man. Uh you're you're totally right. And I have to say that lately I have been really working to uh counter those mental blocks around money and try to imagine a, a future of where money's not a concern anymore. But I notice there's still that little voice, like, you yeah, know, right. Or what if, you know, what if you don't find work? Or what if this investment fails? What if what if like these fears, you know, that it's it's old stuff. It runs in my family. Uh like a fear and a scarcity complex around money, which is very common, obviously. I think if especially if families Like on my mother's side, my grandmother, she came from a lot of wealth and that was pretty much all lost in the Great Depression when she was a child. And so her whole life was about how money can just disappear. And there was a real scarcity mentality around it and a real, um, yeah, just fear. And that's that's how they used money then. And their investments were the most conservative investments you could possibly imagine to the point that Like, the income from the investments didn't even meet uh, the inflation rate, you know? So uh, just, like, fear of losing it, losing it all. And it's justified because they experienced that. But uh, some of the richest families in the world got rich during the Depression because they viewed it as an opportunity rather than as a threat. And they spent their life continuously... um, viewing opportunity where everyone else views doom and gloom that happened during COVID during COVID well, I'll tell you I was I was that guy when I was in Gabon and all the shit went down and the stock market was crashing and all the investments I had which is not much money but it was a lot it's a lot to me uh, I sold everything when the market hit rock bottom and then within a month it's all back and I thought the, I thought the market was crashing. I thought money was gonna no, lose all of its value. I thought we were fucked, and so I gave into the fear. Whereas a bunch of people, smart people, bought a bunch of stocks when it hit rock bottom. So, it's really hard, man. That's why I'm a terrible gambler too. When I go Sto- play
1: stock markets, yeah,
0: stock markets. When I go to Las Vegas, I haven't been in years. But when I used to go, I'd lose every time because I just had the, the worst like mindset around it.
1: But but uh, just within all of this, I think you're giving yourself keys to to opening the door to wealth, and and I don't want to make it like the secret. I don't know if anyone knows the secret. They're like you just you just imagine it. That's there. It's, it's not necessarily like that. But again, we're we're working with something that has imagined value, an agreed imagined value. So the dollar, like you said before, it's not really backed by anything. It's legal tender. So it's this imagined value, and we put a lot of value on it. And Right now, and you know, for example, there's a scientific, not scientific. There's a hard, there's hard evidence of here in Peru. My dollar is worth three point seven soles.
0: It's like the highest it's ever been.
1: The highest it's ever been. But there's this, there's this uh, verification, an outward verification of its value. So if it's just imagined value, why can I create imagined value? in my pocket or in my bank account. What's stopping me from creating imagined value all the time instead of just, uh, yeah, this this idea of, okay, I don't have enough and I need to do something to have something. Well, that, that mentality, do something to have something with money, doesn't necessarily work because it's imagined value. So it's it's aiming at a, a target, you know, like <clears throat> we talked before, that is not actually there. We're aiming for something that's not there. It's already present. It's like the target's actually closer than we think it is because it's imagined value. So I think of, oh, wait.
0: No, no, just this imagined value. It's like, and on some level, we each imagine our own value. And a lot of people do a lot. They work long days for minimal money. And they imagine that that's what, that's what it's worth. That's what their time and their labor is worth. And so there's part of it that's about valuing myself and what am I worth. And, you know, I see people out there that sell online courses for $1,000 and they sell thousands of courses. If if, And what's stopping me from trying to do something like that? That it's the imagination that I don't have anything of value that's worth that much to offer. Or, you know, you see it in plant medicine, you see a range of prices that people have, although it seems pretty... Even in like regionally, like in this area, it seems most people offer for similar rates, you know, but, but still it's like, it's, it's different if you're selling a, a, a jug of milk, like milk has a market price. Like it's pretty standard, but something offering something like plant medicine or a course or something, it's entirely up to, up to you, what you perceive it's worth. And then, then people decide if that's what it's worth to them but i think i'm i often under i undervalue myself and my time and my efforts and my intelligence and so yeah that's where the work is right
1: there's there's no work there it's already there you're yeah. you're already a great person you're already worth <laughs> worth a lot it's just understanding the worth and then utilizing that for you know gaining this imaginary object into your life but it's interesting the other thing you you touched on was <clears throat> how you know money for your grandmother disappeared in the Great Depression, how it became just completely valueless, and you know that's something that i I can resonate with during this time, like yeah, the money went from here to gone. I'm like, wait what, what just happened? And it's like I think we become entrapped in it when we overvalue it as life. And I think a lot of us have this deep-rooted program that money equals life versus life equals life. And I think what we're discovering is is what you just touched on there is like the immense value that you have as a human being that you can share, which is you. And devaluing that is like kind of like chipping at your bank account, being like, "Well, I'll put a penny in because I feel like I'm worth a penny at this time." Or I, I'll I'll offer myself for you know twenty dollars because I feel like I'm worth twenty dollars at this time, and yeah, that limits our our capacity to actually receive. the The other thing that limits our capacity to receive is fear. Um, you said fear is the restriction, and it's so true. It's like the fear of putting myself out there, the fear of feeling i'm worthy of something and then someone doesn't think i'm worthy of something that should never be that doesn't have any uh it doesn't have a stock stock exchange you know i feel my time is worth x y and z what do you feel your time is worth you know and why does somebody else think my time's worth less and why should i allow them to put value
0: on my time i mean they're they're perfectly allowed to and if if that's if they don't think it's worth what you're selling it for, then they just don't buy it. <laughs> Done. Free market. Free market. Yeah. Because I know for me, if someone's offering something and it's priced, like, high, then part of me will feel like, well, it must be really good. Like, they they value themselves. I want that. Whereas if someone's offering the same thing at, at a really low price and that money doesn't really it's not enough to mean much to me, then I won't value what they're offering. That's, that's an interesting concept. Like sometimes people come to, uh, you know, when I work, I work for, you know, a huge plant medicine center and, um, people who don't understand what it costs to run that. It's huge. Like the amount of overhead, the amount of costs involved to firstly pay a huge staff and the healers and, the nonprofit that's involved and the logistics of getting everything there. It's just a lot of costs. And so people people don't see that and they see the price and then they do math in their head and they multiply it by the number of people that are coming and they think it's, it's greed. And whereas the center actually hasn't made a profit. It just ba- barely covers its costs, if that. And anyway, these people just, a lot of people want to come for, they ask for a discount or they want to come for free. And there are occasionally scholarships, but there's something important in this. This goes deep into the tradition of, of healing, of shamanism, of plant medicine, that, that there always has to be an exchange, an exchange of value. So if I'm going to go receive healing from someone, I have to offer something that, that carries value to me. There's an investment, because if I don't, then... I won't value the receipt, the healing that I I receive. So there has to be an exchange. I think in, you know, back in the day in, in villages, it would be an exchange of food, you know? So I'm going to the village healer, the village shaman, and I'll I'll bring like uh, a bunch of bananas or or some sheep, whatever I can, you know, as an exchange. So you, so as we value ourselves and what we're offering, it's also for the, Person that's receiving the offering, they have to, like, them paying isn't just for me. Them paying is for them to ascribe value to what they're receiving. There has to be some kind of a, an offering, a sacrifice, if you will, um, of value. And so, uh, if these things were free, if there was no nothing in exchange given, then the person receiving wouldn't there there wouldn't be any value to them. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta pay for it because that means it means something
1: it man you're bringing up a very interesting topic because i've seen this happen time and time and time again here where we live uh where somebody is offering a ceremony and they have a set price there and people come online and they just butcher them medicine should be free this should be free how dare you like whore out this tradition for Mm -hmm. for money and it's like how where did you get your initial mindset that this should be free that that i should work for free is this not work yeah
0: where did it come from that healing shouldn't should come without an investment and i wonder
1: if there's a misconception that came from that idea which you just spoke of of like back in the day somebody would bring something of equal value or a value like they especially chickens cuz chickens are hard to come by and they'd hear you know the, mm-hmm. the meister help them here's a here's a chicken that's still an exchange just right now in our time money has a value just like a chicken does
0: It's the same thing. It's, it's just replacing it's the, the same chicken thing th- makes and, it easier.
1: And so how is anyone? Like doing injustice to a medicine by asking for an exchange and again like You know, I hope in in every circumstance that somebody comes to me and They're like I am in desperate need of help and I don't have the money. I will happily help them. Yeah Happily
0: And I, and if that were me, I would happily help them too. And I would still ask them as a, as a, as a symbolic gesture to offer me something it could be, sing a song, write a poem, but something that they have to invest their time and energy into, even if it's not money.
1: And it's not necessarily for us. It's actually for your dedication towards the plants and the spirits. It's like, even here within these mountain traditions, they, they pay the spirits. They give them offerings. They climb up the mountains here and they give them you know cakes and and alcohol and things that they've spent their money on to show hey i'm here and and I know this is the only currency you really accept, so here you go mm-hmm. and yeah there's a there's a form of energy exchange of commitment that comes from that energy exchange from that that exchange of
0: whatever, even in the world of charity it's like you think about charity and it's you know maybe a philanthropist someone with a lot of money gives money to a cause. But that they don't just give the money to the cause. Like the cause has to put in the work to demonstrate what they're doing and their value. They, there's an application process. You have to write. You have to, you know, maybe go through an interview. There, there's vetting that happens. So there is an investment on the part of even someone receiving charity to basically show that it's a worthy investment. You know, philanthropists, professional philanthropists with a lot of money. They don't just go around throwing money at people. They treat it like like they would an investment. They do their research and they want to know that their money is going towards the best possible cause. And so, so yeah, even if someone came knocking and they were desperate, I would absolutely, if I have the ability, I would do what I can to help them or refer them to someone who can. And I would ask for whatever it can be. There has to be an exchange.
1: But, you know, I think of... They say, okay, well, it's it's because it's becoming Westernized that this medicine is now being exchanged for money. No, actually, if you go to a Shapiba village, they will ask you straight up front, "Hey, more up front, more yeah. up front than than a Westerner will, yeah. you know." And they'll say, "Hey, this is what you should pay or what you should offer," and we'll expect that, and then we can help you. Mm-hmm. And they know their value. They know their value, and they they just they they don't shy away from it. Yeah, you know, and I think that the challenge in being super sensitive that this is an ind- indigenous tradition that I am working through, or with, is the think you know that the idea of cultural appropriation or the stealing of a culture and and man just to explain this is like this culture was shared with us openly and willingly. There was no nobody was held at hostage. This was right. actually these are discussions that happen like, hey, like, I would like to learn. They're like, okay, if you want to learn, we'll see. Not, oh, you want to learn, pay me your money and then you'll learn. That's a very, very different thing. And you have to make it through it. Diets are hard. They're That's really hard. That's also an investment. That's an investment. It's an investment of your time, of your life. It's a sacrifice. You sacrifice your mind, body, your and soul. body. Yeah. yeah. And... For what the 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 outcome is determined by us you know like what we what we see is changing within us and then the maestro can look at us and be like
0: okay yes when I went through my diets and training it cost a lot of money and and I and I knew of some people that were paying less than me because they negotiated but I never negotiated because I thought to myself this is a lot of money Therefore, this diet really means something to me. And inevitably, it paid itself back over time just by being able to offer the medicine that I received. But that investment is, yeah, it's crucial. It's a really important part of the process. And for for three years, I spent every single penny that I earned on my diets. Everything went into that. And now they carry about weight. If I were a billionaire and I was paying for those diets and it was nothing to me, I might have, when the diet got really hard, I might have just walked out and asked to just finish it early. I'm just going to go back to my yacht. You know, like there's so many easy escapes. So, you know, I believe in an ideal world, these offerings, if somehow it could work and people were honest, it it would be a sliding scale kind of system so that people pay proportionately. So a billionaire... For a retreat that costs two thousand dollars for you know for most people a billionaire maybe would need to pay twenty thousand or a hundred and fifty thousand or two hundred thousand just so that it's valuable to them because oftentimes uh I've seen it I've seen those people oftentimes leave early or they they give up because they they're not really invested in it you know what I mean
1: yeah, I think of my first adventures to meet ayahuasca i saved up for a very long time <clears throat> and it was a very large sacrifice for me to even go to the center and do this and so like i was all in like i it's like exactly like you said you know i knew there's no backing out no matter how hard it gets i'm here and i'm gonna i'm gonna see this through to the end i've been dreaming of this for and years you, put,
0: you paid you worked your ass off to get there i did yeah me too
1: i did and and it's brought incredible value. I'm still here. I'm smiling. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm living a pretty good life, I think. You know, and yeah, I, I think I, I, in a dream world, yes, I think a sliding scale
0: It'd be so hard to organize. It'd be
1: very hard because it's like but, you know, I in my dream world too, it's like I wish I didn't need money so I could just just give the medicine, you know. I wish that was possible, but I have rent to pay and bills to pay and, and I need to eat. And so it, I do have to ask for people forget that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I, I stay up late at night. I don't sleep much. You work I, your ass off, man. You know, we, we, we all do in this, yeah. in this work. It's, it's very, it's challenging. It's exhausting, which is why I'm taking a break, but yeah, in a perfect world, I, I agree with those people. I say, yeah, I, I would love to be able to offer my services and my work free of charge and, and hopefully with some, some exchange like a song or a poem or something beautiful but you know it's not in a world where we still find so much value in money and we have to pay electric bills with money I have to work and ask for an exchange mm-hmm. um, yeah it I'm, I'm going to take us on a little tangent though this is a really cool thing KRS1 do you know KRS1
0: yeah I know and I know because of KRS-One.
1: <laughs> KRS-One is amazing. He's he's kind of a wisdom sharer in the hip-hop world. Uh, he wrote The Sound of the Police song. Um, but he did a talk on the fifth dimension, which is really interesting. And he he's standing in front of this, this group of people who are there to listen to him. And he holds up a sign that says Rockstar. And he had everyone look at the sign that said Rockstar, but he asked them just to, just to look at it. And then he said, How did you hear that in your head? Where are you hearing that when you're reading this? So you, you just did it. You just heard it in this. I think I hear realm. my voice saying it. In where? What dimension is that?
0: My m- mental dimension.
1: It's another dimension another dimension of yourself. So he had this story he was sharing of, uh, I think it was Bone Thugs. I can't remember. Anyway, a specific rapper that was broke when he started making music. Broke. And so he sang a song about money. And then he became rich. And he asked, he said, why is that? Why is it that these guys put up...
0: And a lot of these rappers, they sing about money and they get rich. They get rich. Biggie, get money, get money.
1: So what? what is, what is it they're doing that's getting them money?
0: It's like a sigil exercise. Exactly.
1: So how how am I going to actually embody that in my day-to-day life where I... Again, it's creating this value out of nothing. They literally used their minds and thought, I need money. I need this, I'm going to make a song about money boom bank accounts full
0: and they, maybe they weren't even consciously doing it they just they, they wanted money and they did it
1: hmm so in their in most of the songs so like uh, i think of there's a song by little scrappy and it's money in the bank shorty what you drink i got money in the bank and he just keeps saying i got money in the bank shorty what you drink i got money in the bank and so it's like this creation or this manifestation through this fifth dimensional wow. tool. So this is why I brought up the, the imaginary value of, of money. And it's like, man, you could make money doing anything, literally anything, especially nowadays. Somebody wants you for anything. And it's I find the challenge in what, where people get stuck and where I see people get stuck is, well, you know, my nine to five is the most stable source of money. I need a stable source of money. I need this like continual flow of money coming in. And maybe that makes them feel safe. Even if it's a job where they feel they're literally feeling soul sucked every single day. They say that. I've been down that road. I've been there too. Making that, that paper one drop at a time, you know, and, and I've worked really hard and I've allowed people to speak down to me and treat me terribly. And it wasn't until I said to myself, I want to be my own boss, period, and I don't care if how the trickle comes in. And I did, and I jumped out on a ledge, and it actually came in perfectly. I And it doesn't have to look like me being a millionaire and having a huge, because that's not really what I'm aiming for, but having a home is nice. Having a vehicle is perfect for me. Having food on my table is great. That's all I really... Man, I'm happy with the simple things. And so I made that. And I didn't let anything else get in the way of that. I didn't let any kind of idea because since that's a, a thought form or since that's an imaginary scenario for myself, anytime there's an imaginary scenario of, no, that's impossible, I chip away. I break it. I break that that fragile shell of my imagination of actually being where I want to be happily with everything I need.
0: That's amazing. I guess I've done that too, in a way, like I I did intend to get out of the rat race. And so like those rappers, when they sing about money, money comes, maybe we should just do every episode about money. (laughs) And we just say "Money, money, 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 money big money 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 <laughs> I,
1: I mean i think i think that'll work to a degree but i think you have to have a a, a sensation there has to be an emotional sensation behind it because emotion energy emotion needs to be that it's a fuel for the generative process of the, the fifth dimension yeah, or the mental you gotta dimension. really
0: feel it and that's why like wrapping it like bringing it through with that creative force like in intertwining it with the creative realms creates it in reality who's that youtube star mr mr. Beast. mr beast i went down the mr beast rabbit hole and that's basically what he did i mean he you can watch his early videos he had no followers and his only intention was to get more people and that that's just all he talked about and then now his whole thing is about money and he makes a shit ton of money because he gets 50 million views per episode but what he does with it Keep some for himself, but every episode is some context to contest to give away a million dollars to just give away money. And people want to watch it because it's really exciting to see people doing whatever it takes to get that million dollars. But, but I mean, I think it's really cool what he's doing because he's embodying that idea of you want to keep it moving, keep the money moving. And so he's not just making videos and hoarding all the money, his whole video is about sharing the money, creating interesting like competitions and things. And giving money away, and sometimes he just gives it to people for no reason. Um, but that's what—that's all he does. And he, I, I think it's a living example of that. That concept, you know, of firstly bringing it into the realm of the imagination, making it a reality, and then keeping it moving. And this thing with with giving and generosity, you know, that's a concept that, that I think is really true. It's like the more you give, the more you receive. Uh, I think that's, that makes perfect sense in the, in the laws of energy and, and flow and laws of nature. It's like, if you, whatever you put out, you're going to get that back. It, it, it's always the case. Well, the
1: understanding of, of tithing and man, I, that's another thing like faith that had really kind of put a crack in my armor, so to speak because I, I had this aversion not necessarily to giving away for something for free or like tithing something but this idea of tithing especially for the church what I saw what I witnessed was like you know people were giving 10 percent of their earnings to the church which then had billions of dollars of untaxed dollars which went into all kinds of wild things that were probably unnecessary when there's people literally starving anyway rabbit hole but um so there was a there was an aversion to it, and I remember when I met Safa. Safa taught me this thing of any time you you give money, you say thank you. Actually, thank you for letting me have the money that I need to actually buy this thing. Thank you for I, I you know, or I tithe this in the name of the Master. You know, Master Cho because it's pranic healing. That it comes back to me tenfold Anytime I I give an offering to someone or I or I give a donation to somebody who's just lost their home I, I I tithe it, you know I literally say thank you for me to have the abundance to actually do this, and I think that oftentimes I find myself when I'm paying something I'm like cringing and like okay there it goes yeah, there's the you know the drop in the money the number on that that account there. Instead of being like, thank you, actually, thank you, I can still have electricity. Oh my god, thank you, I can still have food in my fridge. Thank you, I'm I'm actually abundant enough to be able to continue to live in, in my home and pay my rent and whatnot. And I think the biggest problem right now is that we're not necessarily grateful to even be able to buy something. Or to pay our rent, or to pay our electricity, you know the gratitude aspect or the the thanking the the thing that is we think is removing our value is like stopping the flow it's actually putting our hand on the other side of the flow like don't no no
0: no 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 yeah and like taking the money for ourselves rather than viewing it as a bigger picture like when i would pay my teacher every time before i died i would give him a wad of cash right and he would take the cash and he would do a ritual with it where he would hold it above his head and just like pray and say thank you like really genuinely almost as an offering like to spirit to the plants thank you and his money would flow I mean he's huge family supporting he's always improving his diet center he wears the same clothes every day so he's clearly not investing it in his clothes he doesn't own a car like if you look at him he doesn't look like a guy with money but he a lot of money comes through him but I love what you just said it's like remembering that this money isn't me. You know, as long as we identify the money as ourselves, then I think that that's our block around it. So in other words, like perceiving our own value just based on how much money we earn, and rather than perceiving our own values, that we're divine incarnations of spirit, and the money is just an aspect of this realm, this dimension. And if we continuously view it as it's not us, it's, it's energy. And, and when it comes to us offering it in gratitude and then keeping it flowing, that's how, that's a healthy relationship with money. And it's easier said than done. You know, I often find myself identifying with how much money I have and getting scared and having scarcity come up. But when I really sit with it, like we are in this conversation, I remember uh, what it is and, and the most skillful way to Navigate and communicate with that with that flow of money. So it's not me and that gratitude man. It's like Like the prayer of gratitude really It opens a lot of doors, you know Yeah, do I still have clothes on my back? I do you have nice. Y'all cl- yeah, love your clothes man. You
1: have good style <laughs> Thanks, man <bro. laughs> Do I still have a, a roof over my head? I yeah, do. You have a nice roof, you know. Do I still have food on my table? I do. Yep. Yeah. And and I we have I, these two mics. We have a device to record. Absolutely. We have access to internet, computer to share it. We're we're more wealthy than a large portion of the world, and to get trapped, and I'm speaking for myself. When I get trapped in that, uh, kind of, I actually feel a physical clenching in that, this tightness in my stomach when I'm like. That's a bit close to whatever. I don't want that to be that that number, you know? And I actually feel a physical clenching. And that's, I wonder if that's actually what's stopping the inflow. If I'm holding my out breath, (laughs) it's going to be harder to, you know, the longer and longer it's like, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to black out. I'm not actually receiving oxygen. I'm not. And I think, again, the uh, teaching from nature is things are constantly in motion constantly even the earth is constantly in motion we watched our whole mountainside burn now the whole earth is a different color you know it's changed everything will change and if we don't embrace that even when it comes to the energy of money like we're not going to embrace the in infl- the inbreath as much as we will the outbreath or if we don't embrace the outbreath that much we won't ever embrace the inbreath or enjoy that so it's like i I want to have a security system in my mind. Uh, I want to create a series of checks and balances for when I see my mental state go from I'm abundant and I'm okay, or I'm more than okay, to, oh, fuck, or I'm in lack, or I'm screwed, or I can't do this because I don't have X, Y, and Z, man. If there is a will, there is a way. And I have to always remember that. Okay, there's my check. My first check is there's a will, there's a way. There's always a way. I can, I still have things. I can sell things. If I need, if I'm that desperate for money, I can sell things. Okay. I have services I can offer. I have things I can share. So forth and so on. There is always a way. Why am I stopping at, oh shit. That number doesn't look like I want it to.
0: What about Jeff Bezos? Because, you know, the, the critics of money and capitalism are like, well, Jeff Bezos, he's known to be a pretty, uh, he doesn't really share his money. He makes a shit ton of money. And Amazon employees make very low wages but on some level when I really consider it in his own way within this system of capitalism, he's also following the laws of energy of money in that while he has accumulated a massive amount of wealth, still the majority of the money that comes through his company, it's, it's reinvested into expansion of the company, right? So more capital, more growth. It's, You know, you can argue he doesn't pay the people well, but also he employs a massive amount of people. So those people are also able to generate wealth for themselves and, you know, do what they will with it.
1: I think there's different... We're we're looking at a system of intelligence or the system of energy. There's one way of getting into that system of energy and there's another way of getting into that system of energy and if you know the system of energy and how it functions man you can master that and get that line really good if you know how to work the legal system you can pretty much do anything if you know how to work the monetary system you can pretty
0: much gain as much money as you want and so many people hate Jeff Bezos like lately especially this year they've been you know demonstrations in front of his house where they simulate beheading jeff bezos like really creepy shit if i were jeff bezos but to me in the, all those people hating on people that are that wealthy that tells me if they invest that amount of hate into it that means that they are just as much attached to money as the people they're criticizing if not more they ascribe so much importance to it that they think it's worthy to kill someone who has more than them and i don't know jeff bezos But I do know that he's a human being, just like me. And at the end of the day, while he's worth billions of times more than me in terms of financial money, uh, he's still just a guy with four arms and four legs and his own shit and problems. Four arms and four legs? Oh, shit. (laughs) 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 Maybe he does. Maybe he's got hidden arms and legs. But he's still just a person, right? Maybe with some extra limbs. Probably not. Um, But it just shows, like... In our culture, we just ascribe so much importance to that. He's the richest man in the world. But if you were just, if you didn't know what he looked like and you were just to put him in a crowd of people without any clothes on, he's just another naked person. It doesn't really change anything ultimately. And he's going to (laughs) die. And that's it. So I used to be that guy. I really hated on really rich people, you know. Uh, But that was really at its root just my own attachment to the importance of money and i and also a view of scarcity because in my mind it was like they have all the money therefore I, there's none left for me but it doesn't it doesn't work like that actually our financial system capitalism the way it works is the more money a capitalist has the more money they create like money is created you know so it's actually it's arguably good for all of us that there's super rich people because they're creating growth and and capital and it we we get that too and we can jump into that game too if I I'm sure if I dedicated all my intention and everything I do to just money 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 I'd have more money but clearly it's not on the list of priorities though right now I do feel inclined to intend to not have to worry about money I just want enough to not worry about it man and that that's not doesn't have to be billions like Jeff Bezos, or I think he's nearly, he'll be trillionaire at some point. Um, 230 billion. Is that what he's, yeah, whatever. But there's, I think beyond a million, I don't know what the number is. I think it's different for everyone. Really, it's different for everyone. It's like depending on what, what you want for your life. But for me, it's not that much. And it's the re, it's not nearly that much in order to get to the point of just not worrying about money for the lifestyle I want to live. I don't care about owning 50 houses and yachts and all that shit i'll lose track of them like (laughs) i just need maybe two houses that'd be cool Uh, but yeah this is more shit to worry about what is it like to be jeff bezos with all those billions i bet that dude is like always thinking about it from sunup to sundown there's no room for anything else if there were room for anything else he wouldn't be have that much money and so there's also like a lot is given up in order to get there. And that's not the life I want. I don't want to worry about fuck like the bottom line every day of my company and, and thinking strategically about that's him. That's not me, you know? So I have no hate for that. And I don't think we need to like beheading them is just a symbol of our own attachment to the importance of money. Yeah.
1: Well, what is stopping me from having
0: that now? That's a good question, Felix. What is it? I'm asking you. You're asking me. What is stopping me from having enough money to not care about money anymore? Now, yeah. To not worry about it. What's stopping that now? Um. My mind. <laughs> it really. That's the straight up answer, man. It. It is. It's. It's limiting beliefs. I I truly believe that that's all it is. And sometimes I'll have an idea of something I can do, something I can create that might also bring wealth. Um, But then the mind stops me. Uh, It's not going to work. People won't like that. Uh, It's going to fail. You know, it's it's, uh, really, and I'm not just saying that because I know it's the right answer. It really feels true. The only thing stopping me is my mind. You ever heard of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? That's what it's about. It's about a mentality and people that generate a lot of money have a different mentality around money uh, than people that view money as a scarce security blanket and they're afraid to lose it.
1: Yeah. You just uh, triggered something in my mind was like, what is, what do I think money is or what, what is my view? What is my total uh, storm chart? Of what I think money is. With money in the center, I think, okay, it means food. Okay, it means being able to travel where I want to travel. It means whatever. House. Right? But that's not money. Hmm. So I keep I keep aiming at those other things because I think that's money. So how do I aim at money versus a house versus... Or is that more money? Is that more money... <laughs> more wealth versus money. Mm -hmm. Like, is it more wealth for me to actually own a home over just having a number in my bank account?
0: I don't understand.
1: I I think, I, I think I'm trying to understand more what I think money is. Because yeah. uh, money has, for this energy system has so many things around it that I can see. Like, for example, in my money chart, when I see money, what do I see money as? My pie chart. I see it as, you know, 50% food, you know, 40% home, 10% leisure. But that's not money. That's not what I'm trying to draw in. So every time I'm trying to draw in money or I'm trying to manifest money or bring money into my life, I'm trying to draw in a home or I'm trying to draw in a car. And so, like, I think I'm trying to pull money in, but I'm actually pulling in a car. What money buys. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. So how do I hit the, the bullseye and the target of what money is and how I see it manifesting in my life versus what i see it manifesting in my life as well it's
0: energy right and for me it's like to for the flow of the energy of money to come through me i must create something that attracts that flow so something of value some something people want and so the house and the car and the land and the vacation, the travel, that's simply a result of creation. So it's like I create something people want. I'm essentially creating a house because the people give me money and then that turns into a house. Because, yeah, money is pointless by itself. What are you just going to do with a stack of money? Are you just going to look at it? Some people do that. And great. Some people just like find pleasure in just looking at their money. Like, uh, what is it from DuckTales? Uh, Stu, uh, Scrooge. Scrooge. Yeah. He had this like huge basement swimming pool full of gold and just swim in it, but it doesn't, it's not serving any purpose. So.
1: So then I should be set. Like I should feel comfortable because I have everything I need. Right. So I think, but then I I do still need a continuous flow of this energy coming in because I need to keep maintaining these things that I have.
0: Mm-hmm. So you, is there anything that you want or need that you don't have right now?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I, I would like to travel. I, I need a laptop. I don't have a laptop. Mm-hmm my laptop broke mm-hmm. so but I use that for work for the
0: most part you have everything you need
1: right so then am I not drawing it in because I feel like I'm satiated
0: right so there's no motivation
1: right am I comfortable being at this number because I know I can maintain everything I need versus like expanding into something bigger like a like a dream for me is to to have a bigger center that is on a land that I've that purchase that I own that I've been able to create from the ground up. Like that's a bigger dream. But I'm limiting myself because I think, well, you know, it's COVID time, so I gotta stop all this stuff, I gotta stop working, I gotta just halt and I'm comfortable because <laughs> Netflix is great. Right. So I'm not generating the energy necessary to draw in that that energy, that mm. that substance. And Or when I do feel like I need something, I draw it through fear, which doesn't actually bring it forward. So I think what I'm trying to get at is like I'm trying to better understand my mind and how how it relates with the energy of money and how I'm allowing it or disallowing it in entry into my life or into my being or into my whatever. Because there's all these traps that I keep setting up through being too comfortable or whatever. So, I'm actually stopping the flow again,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's like, why, how much is enough?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: and how how hard am I willing to work for enough?
0: to me, enough is enough is where I can just spend my time freely creating without any concern for outcome. That's enough Oh, I feel that that feels good. I like that. So, and the, and the the irony with that is, it's generally those creations that that bring in the most money, because they're so genuine and so real, and you're able to really invest all your attention into it, and without any concern for the outcome that it will bring, uh, which makes it just so real. Because if I create something with the concern that it brings money, then it's going to be somehow that's going to influence the thing that I create. And a lot of people will sense it, and it might turn people off, right? It's like, what? What do you really? What do you really? What you just want my money? Like, you see those bullshit. It's just bullshit, bullshit sales tactics and all that. So, but where you can just create something and you fully believe in it, and you talk about it, and people can buy it or not, you really don't care. That's what people want.
1: I mean, and I, I, man, that's like you've just struck gold i feel cuz it's aiming for something genuine cuz that's i think that's super important for me is aiming for something genuine that is created without the need or desire of something so there's no push pull in that there's no wavering in that it's just here it is that's like that's why land is so valued is like it doesn't really push or pull anyone it's just there <laughs> i need real estate <clears throat> So, creating something freely and having it, and without attachment to it, and allowing it to maintain a value for people and yeah. uh, generate a, a, a flow. Yeah. Wow, that's not,
0: man. Thank you. And I feel like that's. I mean, even right now, where I don't feel that I I'm free of concern of money. There's still time in the day to create things without concern for outcome. I think this podcast is perfect example. Like we never, we didn't intend for this podcast to, to make money. We're just doing it out of, because we love doing it. And it's like the conversations are amazing and we both learn a lot from it. And then people say that they are also really loving hearing it. And so that's all it is. And so it's not like we can't do that now. And so perhaps that's really the key. It's just um, right now I know that I have enough to get by. And I know that I do have some time every day to just create for the sake of creating and nothing else and no attachment to the outcome. And maybe that leads somewhere. And just keep doing that. Like we're here to create. I believe we are expressions of the creative force of the universe. Like we have this ability, unlike any other living species that I see. I mean, actually, well, plants create fruit. Animals create more animals, but we have these hands and this mind, and we can build and create things and new things. You know, plants are amazing, but they pretty much you know what they're going to create—it's that fruit. Um, We can, we can create space for the plants and nourish the plants, we can enhance the creative force of the universe. Like, we can be stewards of creation. We can also be stewards of destruction. Like, human beings, were really unique on this planet in that we can choose to embody these forces and bring them into this earthly realm and the forces of creation and destruction of life and death. And so, wow. I mean, I guess it's, it's really all about embracing the creative force. And by doing that, we create value. We create substance. We create something that connects people, that people connect to, something that people feel is value for their life. And then they sometimes, maybe, maybe not, without attachment to that outcome, but that can lead to f- financial flow. But it's really, I mean, it's really just embracing creation.
1: So if nature is constantly creating, why do I ever fear lack or why do I why am I always afraid of lack what where did the lack mindset come from
0: well nature is always creating but it's also always deteriorate it's dying too right so maybe we're somehow we got attached to the program that only focuses on that aspect Um, but even even the death of nature is creation because a tree dies and and it returns to the soil, and it becomes nutrients for the next plant that's going to grow there. Uh, this fire that burned through, it burned all these plants, but that soil is going to be super, super fertile come rainy season. So perhaps we're attached to and actually an illusion of destruction, of scarcity that's not even real. Abundance and creation... Is all there is, is it not?
1: Well, it's the in and out breath. It goes back to the the in and out breath of the universe, as Alan Watts puts it. Mm -hmm. Everything is either an in breath or an out breath, or destruction or creation. Yeah, I mean, can can that be disproved? I'm going to try and disprove that. And what what lasts forever?
0: foreverness <laughs> the word <laughs> that's a big question but it, I mean even like cause if, I, if I just think in terms of destruction like all destruction is the root of a new creation
1: so what lasts for what's forever creation and destruction
0: yeah <laughs> but destruction I don't think destruction it actually exists because if destruction were real then there would be the possibility for everything to cease existing no but
1: if 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 destruction wasn't a part of the universe nothing would be able to be created
0: yes but so I'm viewing destruction as a part of creation right so but creation what if creation was destruction (laughs)
1: I'm just, it's fun. It's we're, we're playing in a cool no, realm. No, we're playing yeah. in a cool realm. And yeah. I think
0: we're just trying to get to the source of the universe. <laughs> 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 the the key to money is understanding the source of all creation. And that's a, I don't know, but I find it hard to imagine the possibility of total destruction. Nothing exists. Whereas I find it totally feasible in my mind the creation continues forever. It's infinite. And so destruction is part of creation. It's part of a cycle, but nothing is ever fully destroyed. Like existence doesn't cease. It's always being created. And so like when a plant dies, that's, that's not it. That's part of a process. The plant dies. Meanwhile, its seeds have fallen to the ground, and they sprout from the, f- the the soil that was made fertile by the decomposition of that dead plant. And so the death of the plant is the creation process itself, whereas there's no, nothing, I don't know of any destruction that doesn't lead to creation. There's. N- I don't know of anything that's destroyed, and there's no result from that. It's destroyed, and then nothing creates out of that destruction. Like every destruction leads to creation. There's no end that we know of. That we know of. I mean, what do I know? Hmm. But it just, I just doesn't feel like there's, there's an end. <laughs> I, I. But I, is that, I, is that the little existence? Like, what would of the us? end look like? It can't look like anything. We don't know. Well, it's impossible to imagine because. You can't imagine non-existence while existing.
1: But if the sun exploded and destroyed everything in our universe, in our known universe, isn't that the end of existence
0: for us? For us, but not the end of existence itself. Because our sun is like one of a t- infinite number of, I don't know if it's infinite, but it's nothing. Our sun is tiny compared to other suns. Like its impact would be felt here, but in the grand scheme of the galaxy and the universe, it would be a little... Little blink of an eye, nothing.
1: But if we can't observe recreation, do we know there's ever creation?
0: Right. If the tree falls and no one's there to see it, (laughs) did it fall? Yes, I believe that there is because I don't think when we die, I don't think that's the end. And so my physical body might not observe what happens on this planet after I die, but consciousness does. And it seems to me that that's what we are. And so it's, you know, immortality of the soul like the body dies but everything continues do you think you can kill your soul do you think your your spirit can actually die yeah it can cease to exist it can die yeah how
1: there's people who walk around with no soul is their soul dead or is
0: it gone Mm, there's people with dead souls are their souls dead or are they asleep Hmm. And it,
1: and it, I'm just playing with the idea of destruction as a I'm trying to be the, the young to your yin, yeah yeah your, no good your, your be the devil's yin, sorry, advocate man the devil's advocate yeah I want to like challenge this as much as I can
0: so do you people that walk around without a soul you've seen that yeah and are they just dragging along the corpse of a soul or is their soul gone there's usually something else functioning <laughs> which is kind of creepy so like Kind of like a cordyceps mushroom, it, like it's a parasite. The, the caterpillar body's still there, but something they're, else. They're is. not there, yeah. So what is it? What's functioning in it? If it's not their soul, it's typically some other spirit, or they've been hijacked. But it, it is a some other spirit.
1: There's something else there. That doesn't mean that they're there. So their body's
0: there, but it's a different soul. A body is there, yeah. And there's a soul there. Something else is there. But does that mean that their soul died or that it was replaced?
1: I mean, once their soul dies, there's a space in a in a shell. It's like a, a hermit crab.
0: Do you believe there's any aspect of you that is infinite?
1: Sure. But to say that consciousness doesn't die, for me, seems challenging because it's like, well, if consciousness doesn't die shouldn't I be more aware of all the infinite timelines of myself?
0: Maybe this construct of this human life was designed for you to not be aware of it because its you would have a hard time functioning. And some are, I believe, some are. There are masters, I think, have a lot more awareness than average Joes. Um, I don't know. Like, I just view it consciousness, consciousness in terms of the highest consciousness that we can tap into it just doesn't seem that it can die and to me that's essentially it's 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 god's awareness and
1: but i think in the in the realm of like the yin yang for example this balance i think eventually there has to be a complete obliteration to balance it doesn't mean that something won't be reborn out of that but i think that there has to be that Like, if you think that consciousness ultimately is ever-persistent, ever-existent, and infinite, doesn't that mean that there can exist the other side?
0: Okay, so that other side, though, what does that other side exist within? Is Mm -hmm. it the end-all? I mean, if it's balanced, no. I, I just think there's a container for everything. So even that other side of total destruction exists within a container and that container must be holding. So what is that container? What is that container? (laughs) I I don't, I think, I I mean, ultimately I think it's God. I mean, I think it's, um, it's just as, I mean, maybe this is influences from reading texts, but it's also just a sense that there is, that there's this dance that's happening, creation, destruction in the universe, in our lives, on earth, in other dimensions that dance is happening and we can access other dimensions of that dance. But (laughs) there is always something witnessing that dance. There's a container within which that dance always happens. And the container is totally indifferent to the container sees destruction creation, just like clockwork. But, but, but the container that which sees all of that is, is un, that's the whole thing. Like it it all exists within something and and that thing is infinite. I I, I don't see how it can end.
1: It's hard playing the devil advocate because I agree with you.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you're doing a good job. Uh, Uh, I I thought you actually, you did such a good job as I I thought you actually believed that.
1: (laughs) There's a a passage in the Tao Te Ching where it says that the Tao is older than God. And I really like that. That's... So then the Tao is God, which... No, the is older than God. There's no God. There's just Tao. But, the way.
0: But perhaps what they meant is the Tao is older than God in terms of the God that you imagine. And that that maybe it was responding to, you know, an idea of a God as like a, a, a deity or like a, a certain characteristic, uh, a certain character. Uh, whereas the Tao... In the ultimate sense of what a God 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 is the God it's the Tao is the way it's it's it it's everything and that's so it's older than a definition of God but I just say that that is what God is
1: but even within the reference of saying everything is infinite and this this a consciousness goes on what if that consciousness has to die and what if that bubble has to die or that container has to die
0: there is a level of consciousness that c- can die, but ultimately something is conscious of that. And it, it ul- that ultimate consciousness, if it doesn't exist, then there's, the, there's an impossibility of nothing. Like, but not nothingness, like in the sense of Buddhism, like emptiness, but no, just absolutely Non-existence of just none, non-existence, non-anything. And and we can't even discuss that because if there is nothing, non-existence of anything, then it doesn't matter. As long as these conversations and observations can be had, it, it means that there exists something and there always will. And if there doesn't, then there's no consciousness to even recognize that nothing exists. And so therefore it's impossible. How can something exist that, how can something exist outside of recognition that it exists? Did a tree fall in the forest? Well, that's, but we're talking about our individual, like individualized human consciousness. Something consciousness observed that tree, I believe. How do I know? Well, I was in the forest one day, the tree was there, the next day I went back and it had fallen down. The tree fell. Something observed that.
1: So we'll bring it back into you, Alan, and all of your concepts, all of your ideas, all of your creations, all of your manifestations. When it dies, does any of that even matter, whether there's a bubble or not? No so is it well
0: it doesn't matter to i mean what 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 does it even mean does it matter
1: does it does it still exist when you're not here does this even does even this discussion exist outside of the realm of you so is 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 existence basically is exi- is existence determined by you your concept of reality or your world
0: no my interpretation of it is but it itself is not determined by me what's determined by me is is the story that I choose within it but it's all illusory so can
1: you die in this moment and then see the world is actually over. And there's, no, there's no consciousness observing anything. Basically, like, so can you change the framework of, of your mental state from seeing that there is a continuous creation and there is always consciousness to seeing that there is, this is what I'm trying to do right now, <coughs> that there is no, at the end, there's nothing.
0: I can't imagine it. Why? Because I don't know what nothing is. The, I've never experienced it. The nature of my mind and imagination can only imagine something It's impossible for me to imagine Nothing not non-existence. It's not possible
1: So your general conception of what you see this Thing this world this existence to be is based on imagination Yes so why can't you imagine yourself being abundant?
0: Drop that mic, dude. <laughs> I know. Exactly. That's that, I mean, I think that basically this was a mental exercise to realize that. Like, we're, we are our imaginations. It, it's so true. I've talked about Neville Goddard before, but he talks about that a lot. And he often talks about money and wealth and because people ask about that. And he just keeps saying, like, and he says it through, he uses the Bible, and he interprets the Bible in a very different way, but it makes sense when he does it, that our life is our imagination. And he says that our imagination is God. I don't know. I don't know about that one. It's, but, yeah, it's true. Thank you.
1: We just destroyed a universe to try and figure out what we're doing
0: <laughs> here with money. <laughs> what happens when we die, Felix? What well, mm. What happened the last time you died? The
1: last time I died? Well, I think what... We imagine the direction our energy is pushing us our imagination our mind our mental state is pushing us is actually the direction we go when we die there's so much momentum that we're developing here in this state of time that when we die that's expelled or or exerted elsewhere
0: and we kind of go in the direction that it was aiming at so we need to live skillfully it's like the Tibetan Buddhisms they pretty much dedicate their lives to preparing to die the whole thing is about preparing to die, so that at the moment of death, there's a choice, rather than being swept through our karma, like letting the karma determine our fate. And
1: even by karma, just like desires,
0: unconscious thoughts,
1: uh, grudges, yeah, things that 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 hold our mental space down, and that's why, like, man, I hope to. Train my mind enough in this lifetime that I can learn to do that. To die gracefully. To die gracefully. To die well.
0: Yeah, I really thought I, I was getting to that, and then I was in Gabon, and I realized I'm not ready to die gracefully. For night, me neither. But who knows? But that's. I think that's. Um, it's actually a good way to live to check in once in a while is what i'm doing with my life preparing me to die well and it's
1: my my thing with death <clears throat> that it has stuck with me since I was a child cuz i was weird but uh <laughs> is that <laughs> is that what what is one thing that everything has in common on this planet is we're all going to die we all have this limit of experience within this realm in this body that I have right now, it it has a limit. I know I'm going to die. I'm going to die, and I cannot change that. that step is coming. It's like I remember when somebody told me I was going to get my wisdom teeth removed. They're like, "Don't worry, everybody has it. It happens every." And I was terrified. They're going to rip teeth out of my mouth. They're going to drug me. They're going to. It was the scariest thing ever. And then that passed. And then the next scary thing was the Saturn Return. You know, this this huge cycle that happens in everyone's life where this crisis comes upon me and blah 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 blah, and I was terrified and then there's this thing that's at the end and that could be today that could be in 60 years I don't know how long I'll live but it's there and I cannot avoid it I can't and it doesn't matter how much I distract myself every moment of the day it's still there and so like this idea of having death stalk me is is a very joyful thing of living better, not necessarily in this retracted state of fear and like closure. And I should live in a bubble and eat only celery sticks and I should uh, meditate for 10,000 years. I want to live in this life fully honoring that honoring that because there's, there's a reason that we all have to go through that
0: that's what the stoic philosophers would do that it's part of their practice they would imagine themselves on their deathbed every day they would imagine themselves in their last moments and just just to bring the reminder about the finite nature of this particular incarnation in this realm and the truth be told we don't know what happens afterwards and so they would continuously bring that to mind they would even when they would hang out with friends when they would say goodbye they would say goodbye as if they're never going to see them again. And while hanging out with them, they would hang out with them as if this is the last time because you don't know. And when death is so honored in that way and so recognized and remembered, you can only embrace life like, to the fullest. It's like a denial of death is what leads to a wasted life. It's so so many of us human beings we don't acknowledge death until the last second, until the last minute.
1: Yeah, I think if anything, I hope to be more present in this psychedelic, strange experience that I call life. That I've that I'm trying to understand more and more of, and the more I understand, the less I fucking know. This thing is immensely intelligent and infinitely vast and I really have only scratched not even the smallest speck of the surface of what this world is and to think that I can make some huge impact or I worry so much about a number on a screen that signifies my bank account an account that with myself is is silly it's just laughable And I, and I've had many psychedelic experiences where I'm just laughing at myself and how seriously I was taking this whole thing Mm -hmm. in a sense of like, I I don't want to live my life. I got to be this and I got to do this and I got to be X, Y, and Z. And I should look like this is, this is the road. That's the road. And I need to walk that way. And every time I did that, I, I would take a massive dose of some psychedelic and be like, ha. (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: what was that?
0: Because these plant medicine psychedelics, they really bring us the view, the perspective from death, and from that perspective of like what's actually important. How many times have you gone into ceremony and with some intention or some concern you have about something, and then within a few minutes of the medicine kicking in, you're just like, the concern is nothing. It it becomes completely irrelevant because it's so. It's just like. It's, it's nothing when we look at it from the framework of death. I, you know, when we think about ayahuasca and why it's called Vine of Death in, in Quechua, at least, to me that's what that means. It's, 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 it brings about a, a reunion with death. And death isn't bad. Death is actually the greatest teacher because it's, it reminds us what's important. It's to a, live, um, yeah, to live
1: while we're here, and stop man. sweating the small things, man. Exactly, like, and and that's why, like, even like with this this concept, these concepts of like manifestation of money, they're they're fun games to play. And if I keep remembering the games I'm playing here, I can, I, I let the the fear and the doubt and the disbelief, those they all start to fade off into some weird. They they become laughable things. So I want to keep playing but make the game as good as I can if I want it to. But I can play anything. I can keep playing. I'm a poor son of a bitch that lives whatever. Or I'm not doing anything with my life or I'm, you know, I suck at this and I'm not worth it and it's like I can play that game as as long as I want. It's fun to I guess the spirit, you know, I guess my soul thinks it's interesting and it's worthwhile to teach this soul something, maybe this consciousness something. I'm still playing. I can't, I can't leave, I can't quit this game of consciousness. I can't. It's gonna keep going. It always has a direction. I can't quit this game of mind. So what am I gonna do with the game of mind? Well, what can I do with the game of mind?
0: That becomes my next question. Keep, keep intending to see that it is a game. Right. Step That's, out of the game Just and the watch simple it. things,
1: man. I just wanna be patient and happy and, just see it. I don't want to get lost in it anymore. Like We started with lucid dreaming. Why is it And then we knew? We knew. And why is it when we know it's a lucid dream, we can do anything? Why do we do everything? But why don't we do that here? Why do we forget that here? Because
0: I can't fly, man. Maybe. I know. That's like Ho'oponopono. You know, we talked about this before. But, and it's taught in many different ways. But one way I've had it taught is that um, every thought is an entity it's a, it's a being and on some level the thoughts that we have and the, the the beliefs that we have are just thoughts that we've chosen to hold on to and we're not willing to let them go. And ho'oponopono is about offering gratitude, love, forgiveness, and being and saying i'm sorry for holding on to you to give the thought permission to leave us and is it that i can't fly is actually a limiting belief that's really hard to let go of most people except for a few yogis who've levitated that's you know the, those are those are beliefs that we can say we want them to go away but some part of us is just we hold on to it that's why we can't fly we just like R. Kelly didn't really believe he could fly. <laughs> or maybe he did, man. We don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. He's trying to, I
0: believe I can fly. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's true. I, everything is beliefs. And, and
1: so what if we come into this world and we're, we're given a, a set script of belief systems that we have believed in other lifetimes and they just kind of reemerge in this lifetime with a different set and setting and they just kind of re these entities are still here, and our job is to learn to overcome them to become free. Mm-hmm. So I was born with the idea of I'm a failure and I'm stupid, not necessarily born with that, but it was it was a part of the contract that I mm-hmm. decided, and it's one of the ones I have to conquer, or that I'm not abundant. The ones that still hang out for some not reason. Not worthy.
0: Not worthy. I'm not loved. Right i'm not lovable
1: so you got your you got your you got your homework you got your 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 bosses to conquer in your video game <laughs> and they're ugly and they look they look terrible and they're going to try and make sure that you don't make it to beat them and man some some lifetimes i'm sure we don't win i'm sure that we've we've been tackling with the doubt fucking mean, the doubt boss for for how many incarnations
0: i don't know what if life is really just like mario where you die it says game over but then you just hit the start button again and you start back where you started and you just keep repeating the same thing until you conquer the boss which is a limiting belief bowser is the limiting belief that i'm not good enough and then you thought you're not god yeah and then then you win but then all you can do is start over again that would, that would no, you go to the next level man there's a whole bunch of levels yeah online. but after 8.4 that's it man. <laughs> i remember yeah there's 8.4 yeah you're too young to really remember <laughs> no i'm not bad. i played all the marios from yeah the nes oh yeah. yeah but you played it because it was like a classic <laughs> no i played
1: it back when i was like five
0: you were born in what year 90 okay i mean it came out in 85 but I guess by '95 it was still it was still around. It wasn't considered nostalgic.
1: We didn't have next gen. I mean, I remember we had the NES, the one that you had to blow in the cartridges. Then we had the well, we had to blow in all the cartridges until. And then there was a Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo, which was Super Mario World, that was so cool. Super Mario Three.
0: And then the N64, that
1: blew my mind. That was amazing. Yeah, Sega Genesis.
0: Mario Three was on the original. It was on the NES. It was so cool. But life is, maybe it's like that, you know? But well, I, this is a funny, but uh, I don't know. Can I share a secret? What's the secret? For those who ever played Duck Hunt on the Nintendo Entertainment System, the, the gun is plugged in, but if you plug in the second controller, you can control the ducks. What? You can move the ducks with the arrows on the controller. Wow. So... I would always mess with friends. They would be trying to shoot the ducks and I would make the ducks fly like insanely crazy. <laughs> I'm like holding the controller like to the side they can't see. i just mess with you. That's awesome. Thank you.
1: So uh, what if in this, this this is just a funny idea. I don't know. We'll play with it. What if in this lifetime, in this manifestation in the 21st century, we have the opportunity to watch life re-evolve back into video games? Like we're watching, there's, they currently, they just released the PS5. This next generation console, which is the graphics are night and day different from the NES, the Nintendo of course, Entertainment, yeah. like huge difference. That's a, just in
0: thirty-five years, man. In
1: thirty-five years, so imagine another thirty-five years of video games will be
0: total. Yeah, there's Matrix. a point where we won't differentiate, right? That's the whole simulation. Theory. So what if we we in this generation actually get to watch it? Watch ourselves get plugged back to the Matrix? I'm not going to plug in. <laughs> Yeah, I like this. On my iPhone, I play this. It's called Retro Bowl. And it's like a 8-bit football game, like Tecmo Bowl on the Nintendo. It's like so stupid, so simple. But these complex games, I can't do it, man. Life is... The graphics in real life are so good. Man, I've never seen graphics this good. <laughs> it's so realistic. It's so high HD. Yeah. I didn't know HD beyond existed. HD. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like the best VR. And just the detail. I mean, if you look around, like... Even in the rocks and the grass, like, the detail that the designers put into this game is <laughs> incredible. Insane. Yeah. But there's some glitches, you know. The the game says you can't fly, but there's a code. He's got to realize what it is.
1: We won't tell you the code, though. <laughs> yeah. You must find
0: the you code. You must find it for yourself. Shit, man. Cool, man. My cat's going to be home soon. Cool. My cat's coming back from the hospital. Yeah. So I got to go. Give her some love and care. I'm glad she I thought she was checking out. I thought she decided her time was up, but I think she's got eight more lives, so oh yeah, definitely. She's a resilient little thing. She's got 8.5 more lives.: Yeah, this was nothing really was nothing.: Cool. Well this was fun, man. So money money money, 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 money. Money, <laughs> money, 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 money. It's all it's a mindset. I my got friends. money. It's a mindset. It's creation. Why do they say make money? They don't say find money or you can say get money, but it's really make money because you make, you create and you create and create money. The codes are in the language, man. Exactly. Cool. I love you, man. Love you too, man. Thanks everybody for listening uh, mm-hmm. and join us on locals.com. Please. That's where we're at.
1: And thank you already for those supporters that are there. We're we're very grateful to you. Yeah, thank
0: you everybody. Thank you. And all our listeners. Thanks for being here with us. I feel like we're sitting all together just having a little conversation. Amen. 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 Peace out.